Every life has a story, and every story is worth sharing. Your story, my story, and our story speak of victory and defeat, joy and sorrow, resilience and vulnerability. They are not just our story, they are Christ's story in us. They are Kingdom Stories from Down Under. One of the first questions uh, we ask people when we introduce ourselves to them is what is their name? And after they give us their name, we begin to ask other questions. And usually the second question is, what do you do for a job? Well, tonight's guest uh, has a very, very interesting job, very unusual job. He actually um, pilots, he pilots uh, drones, but he's also instructed many people to fly planes and also drones. But he's a lot more than that. He's a father, he's um, a husband, and he's a man who deeply loves the Lord. And it's such a privilege to have Andy Wood here at Kingdom Stories from Down Under. Welcome to the show. Thanks very much. Thank you. Flying drones. This, is, this job didn't even exist 10 years ago, did it? No. I've been flying remote control aircraft for about 40 years. And um, can you believe it? Now I'm getting paid to do it. Oh, pretty cool. Oh, that was just for fun. Was it a hobby? Yeah, it was my hobby. <laughs> and then uh, it was the bane of my wife's life because I had all these aircraft and all my. And then about eight years ago, I got into drone work and was an instructor and lecturing in all over Australia. Yes. And then um, I got a job with. I'm working now for Rio Tinto. And um, so my wife, I keep joking with her to say, Can you believe it? I get paid for my hobby. <laughs> so it's pretty cool. At one stage, because your wife had been on the show before, mm-hmm. she actually got a license, didn't she? Yes. Um, I was traveling all over Australia yeah. doing the courses. It's a one-week course to yes. get a, what they call a repel, which is a drone license that you can basically use it for commercial purposes. Yes. So I said to her, look, why don't you come with me? Because I'm staying in a hotel. You know, yeah. I went to Darwin, I've been to Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, Hobart, and so I said, well, why don't you come and then you can sit on the course and then I will train you and maybe you can also become a drone pilot. And so she did that and she was very good. And I think she's done one better than me because she's uh, helped the Australian Defence Force. She did wow. some training for them, you know. The oh, so she became a trainer as well? Yes, she became an instructor. Fantastic. Wow. It was great. When did the love for planes and flying start for you? My dad was in aviation and uh, he was a pilot and so as a young guy I was very fortunate by the time I was sort of 12 years old I knew that I would go into aviation and I was he flying commercial planes or more he basically just after the second world war he joined the he was in South Africa and then he went up to England and joined the Royal Air Force yes. and uh, sadly after getting his wings and that he crashed and broke his back very badly. So he actually lost his license. But he survived? He survived, yes. Um, Uh And he was in hospital for about 18 months having rehabilitation and operations because in those days it was quite serious, you know. They didn't have the medical sort of expertise that they have today. Was that in England or in South Africa? It was in England and then he came back to Africa um, and then he wanted to flying again and so he did a second time and he got his commercial license and then was with a friend in a tiger moth yes and he, the tiger moth he, my dad was the passenger it has dual control yes he wasn't the pilot in command flying that day and it crashed 
and he got badly hurt and his friend got, died in the accident and March. you know so he's, it was that chapter of his book was sort of sealed and so he had five. two crashes and survived both yeah. this is extremely rare yeah, yeah, isn't yeah. it and so he stayed in aviation uh, he became the senior manager for South African Airways in Zimbabwe where we basically where I grew up and I was school. So you grew up in Zimbabwe? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Born in Zimbabwe? No, I was born in a small country called Malawi. Yes. And then uh, my dad was working there and then I was born there. And then, but most of we then moved to, um, then it was called Rhodesia, but today it's Zimbabwe. And most of my young life was in Zimbabwe. I grew up and I was schooled in Zimbabwe. Wow. Yeah, yeah. What was it like back then? It was quite fun. You know, as a child and growing up, it was amazing. You know, we had a really, Africa was like an adventure, you know. Yeah. Um, and for my family and I, we, you know, we just, it was really brilliant. Fun. Yeah, you know, it was fun and, and you know. So there was affluency, there was freedom to, to travel. Yeah, you know, um, before sort of the, um, the struggle, came yeah we you know it was a very good way of life and uh, um, yeah Zimbabwe did eventually what Rhodesia and Zimbabwe there was uh, political issues and problems and that yeah. sort of stuff um, but as a young man as a young lad growing up and that um, we we really had to, we had a wonderful way of life and and even for all the people my family, we loved people. We, I have no, I'd like to believe that I don't have any racism in me. Yeah. I really, you know, I went to the farms and I played soccer and in the, in the team and the, there was one or two sort of European guys, I yeah. say white guys, and the rest were the, the African folk. Yeah. You know, we had, a, we had a ball, you know. I think, sadly, Africa was messed up by the politicians. Of course. <laughs> yeah, the everyday people. Yeah, but the everyday more. people, we, we, all of us had an amazing time. Even like the guys that worked for my family as sort of domestic workers. Yes. We loved them and we had fun and, you know, it was just a way of life. Um, the domestic workers, did you have land as well or maybe in the city? We just, just were in the city, well. but my uncles had were on the farms. And yeah. every school holiday, my brother and I and, and my sister, we would go out to the farms to be on the farm. And so if my parents wanted to see us, yeah. they had to go to the farm. <laughs> we come visit us on the farm. It was wonderful, honestly, it was a great life and, and I believe that was a great what life. What were they cropping? Uh, mainly maize, cotton. Yeah. My uncle Martin did tobacco in those days, it was a lot of tobacco. Uh, he also did cheese. Is this in the late 70s or mid 70s? Yeah, 70s, 80s and 90s. Nice. Um, you know, it was, it was, it was wonderful, yeah. Were you in the faith back then, uh, in a family or not really? Not as a family as such, but I gave my heart to the Lord when I was 12 years old. Um, How did that happen? I went to a concert, it was like a youth concert, you know, and the youth groups came together. And uh, I remember that evening that the Lord just touched my heart profoundly. I just knew that I knew that yeah. Jesus had come and was knocking on my door, on my heart. And, yeah just the whole thing and I remember going to the altar and just at the end they gave an altar call and I found myself on my knees um, and that's 50 years ago today, wow. uh, well, uh, in February, um, 
can't remember the date because I was yeah. only 12, but it was on a Friday evening and I, I know that I know that I know that I was born again in that moment. on that moment. I knew that Jesus came and he gave his life for me and I just wanted him in my heart and I can say it was just just a real profound wow. moment in my life, you know. How did you get to that camp? What, who invited you? We were, my brother David and I were going to this little youth group um, and it wasn't even really associated with the church. They used the church halls, St. Yeah. Paul's Church. It was a sort of Church of England Anglican church. Yeah. But the, the, his name was um, Ralph and he and his wife just had a youth group and all the youngsters in the community sort of came and every school holidays and on Fridays it was youth. Uh, we weren't even really affiliated to a church. Wow. And so, so the, your parents weren't church people, or occasionally really, they would go. Uh, I believe both my mom and dad found their way to heaven, but we didn't. We weren't church going folk, yeah. you know. I didn't. Come Even though it was quite common, wasn't it, in uh, Rhodesia, for uh, people to go to church on Sundays? Uh, I think when 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 people are persecuted and go through struggles and that sort of stuff, they find faith more easily. If I yes. express myself that way, yeah. they realize that they they need they need the Lord. They yeah. need God. They need the Lord in their hearts and their lives. So, a lot of families did go. I find a lot of, um, but my mom and dad, for example, we they didn't go to church on a Sunday. The only time we sort of went to church was during weddings or. Yeah, you know, christening Easter. And, then, yeah, Easter. and uh, so you came back from the camp, and what did you do? You carried on going to this youth group? Yeah, uh, I was, I carried on, and I, so it was quite funny because it was more, more just friendship and just having a good time. I can remember not, we weren't word based in that sense of we didn't get a profound foundation laid yeah. in us. We were just a whole lot of young kids. Coming God and loving, loving each other, each other and having That's a ball. It. Yeah, it was really like that. Yeah. You know, so but it's still a good start. Yeah, brilliant start. Honestly, it was a good start. So in your youth, uh, from then onwards, uh, was the relationship with God being developed? Yes, I can say it was. And then when I got to the age of sort of 16, 17, yeah. um, I started to play rugby as a schoolboy, and then I got selected for, in those days, the Rhodesian schoolboys, which was to play for my country. Yeah. Good. And then, so you yeah, must have been good. Not bad. Mm. <laughs> uh, I, I had a talent and I had a gift, and um, then I was going to a little church. I started going to a church, but I wasn't really committed. Um, it was a church run by a pastor called uh, Alistair Geddes and he was called Faith Ministries. Yes. And it was really a nice church. It was a really good church, but I wouldn't go every Sunday mm. because of my rugby. And um, Where were you? What town? We were in uh, Harare. It's called oh, Harare yeah. now. Yeah. And, uh, what was it called back then? Salisbury. Uh, so I lived in Salisbury and then uh, when it got independence in 1980, it changed its name to Harare. Yeah. Yeah. And so. Um, when I got to sort of 17, 18, um, I've always loved God and I was never a hooligan. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I wasn't really serving the Lord, if yeah. I could express myself that way. Yes. You know, I was playing rugby and that sort of stuff. But I always, always through that, I felt the hand of God on my life. Mm. 
there's not one moment of my life, even whether it be in a valley or in the desert yeah. or on the mountaintop, that I have. I can see the hand of God all the way through my life, yeah. loving me, protecting me, and even guiding me, even though I wasn't maybe serving him, serving him in that way. You know that I, yeah, yeah. I, I always was very. I could feel him there with me. You know, even when I was a, even sinning. Let me put it that way. Yeah. Uh, I a holy fear was there. There was, there was. A hesitation. What's quite funny with that, because every sort of six weeks, two months, I'd go to that little church, yeah. and I would sneak in the back, and we'd sit there like a good boy, and they start doing praise and worship, and I was finished. <laughs> Just I wept. The the love of God, and you know the Bible says it's the love of God that leads a man to repentance. Yes. And it's the goodness of God, the kindness of God, God's yeah. mercy. Yeah. And, and the Bible says God loves mercy That's more right. than judgment. Mm. And I could feel I was a baby Christian. I was not mature. Yeah. So the grace of God was upon my life. Mm. He wasn't there to beat me with a big stick. or I just felt drawn to him. I would repent. I would say sorry. And I knew I was cleansed by yes. the blood of Jesus. I, I knew that. Yeah. I'd walk out the door and... Yeah. And then two months later, three months later, I'd be come back to the church. Another refresher. Another refresher. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, and if anybody listens to this, if I offended you or hurt you during that time, I ask your forgiveness. Um, you know, we were young men and I was foolish. Yeah. I wasn't a mature Christian. Uh, you know, I come up with a little bit, I, I don't want to say backslidden in that sense, but I wasn't serving the Lord. Yeah. You weren't you know, fully so, committed. You probably even. Didn't even know what that meant. Yeah. You had the feelings there, but not the discipline, the commitment. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you finished school. Uh, you did well in high school? No, I failed dismally at high school. Oh. Um, and uh, because sport, because because such sport a, was such a big thing. In fact, I failed and went back to school, not to try again to get my O levels, but to play rugby again. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, but. There again, I can honestly say that when God came into my life and, um, it, you know, I'll share that part of my life where God came into my life and became my father. Yes. Um, when I look at my life and how God has taken me into aviation and all that sort yes. of stuff, wow, wow, wow. I can just tell you very clearly that God took a very foolish young man and has taken me to levels and heights that I could never even have dreamed of. Wow. It's not on my ability and how, yeah. but how God helped me, you know, even in my exams, I would ask God, please, Lord, bring this to my remembrance. So you had you know? to do, you had to do year 11, year 12 again? Basically year 12 again, yeah. and then went through a second time. I didn't get good grades, let me put it that way. I, I don't want to show anybody my piece of paper. No, you don't need to. I don't need to. <laughs> <laughs> But after that, I've got a testimony of how God is what amazing, honestly amazing. Um, when I was about 21, 22, I played rugby as an under 20 now for Rhodesia and Zimbabwe. So um, that became your profession? It was, we were amateurs in those days, but it was my God. It was, you know, it became and my were you life. working or were you going to uni or college? No, I was, at, I was doing my apprenticeship to okay. become an aircraft engineer. 
Okay, so you, you followed the footsteps of your dad. In yeah, sense. so and I, I became a licensed aircraft engineer and then I became a pilot in 1987. So I've been in aviation for 40 years okay. um, as a licensed aircraft engineer and then I did my pilot's licenses in 1987 and then got into training. So for yeah. the last sort of 20 years, I've been doing training and teaching yeah. both engineers and pilots. Wow. But, uh, and that's a testimony in its own. I can't believe how, how God helped me along my journey mm. in my life, in my career. First of all, to make sense of it all and then to be able to replicate it and teach others. Unbelievable. Honestly, um, I can only thank the Lord for that. Truly, mm. He's guided me and walked with me and helped me through many, many, many um, areas of my life. And aviation is just one facet of that. Yeah. I can see clearly the hand of God. So what happened in the early 20s? My dad in 1982 was a very, very hard year for my family and I. Um, on the June, the 4th of June 1982, I was four and a half years into my apprenticeship and they, the um, Zimbabwe government wanted to bond us for another five years. So we had qualified, yes. but we wouldn't get our papers and signed up to say we were qualified. Yes. Um, my dad was also terminally ill that year. He found out that in 1981 that he had cancer. And um, so my mom decided, because my mom was a nurse, we took him home and we would care for him at home. And uh, so in the 82, that was the year that was that I realized that God wanted to be my father. Yes. And uh, it was like an adoption, if I could express myself yeah. that way. Um, it, it was so profound um, that I realized that God loved me, but he, he wasn't God anymore. He was that scripture like in John, it says, Behold, what man of love has the Father bestowed upon us that we can become the children of God. Yes. And though my dad was slipping away, my father was coming into my heart and into my life. And, and it was just so amazing. And then in Romans, it says how we cry, Abba, Father, that yeah. he became a father to me. And, I, and that adoption took place over that in 1982, which was the hardest year of my life. I lost my job in that sense, you know. I had to make a decision 30 days to terminate my contract or to sign up for another five years and serve the state for five years. So I think it was on June the 6th, my brother David and I, we went to South Africa yeah. to see if we could qualify in South Africa. And so we flew down and basically, long story short, they said, yes, we can qualify, but um, you know, you just have to fill in a paper. And I did, and I paid 15 Rand at that time. And, I was booked in to do a trade test. Yes. Because in, in Zimbabwe, we, we time qualified, but in South Africa, because we were following the same syllabus, basically. Yes. We could uh, do a trade test and come out of our time with a trade test. So yeah. you become qualified. Um, but another thing that I would like to testify, um, in about that time in June, around that time, I had this deep desire to go to Bible school. Oh. Yeah, and... Uh, you weren't married? At that time? No, I wasn't married at that time. And I had a, this brochure with the, the church in South Africa. And there was a Bible school down there. And I thought, I just somehow had a desire, you know, to go to yeah. Bible school. And 
So I filled in this application. I got two pastoral references with it, and I posted it down. But I didn't even think what I was doing really. Yeah. I just sent it down, you know. And that was eighty-two, June of somewhere around there, same time. And then my dad died on the twenty-ninth of August, nineteen eighty-two. Now, as a family, we had decided what we were going to do, and we were going to sell the family home, sell the furniture, and my mom was going to go live with my sister. And my in Zimbabwe, in South Africa, in South Africa, my sister was living in South Africa. Okay. And so I was left in Zimbabwe. My brother went back to England. He went straight to England, and so I was left in Zimbabwe just to help tie up the affairs of my family. I was very young, 22, 23. Yeah. but it was all sort of we knew what we were doing. Yeah. And just to move on a little bit, on the 9th of January, 1983, with one suitcase in my hand, my friend, my dear friend Howard Silk, took me to the airport so that I could go to South Africa. And in my heart, I wanted to go to Bible school. Yes. Okay, so that was in my heart. Um, I was delayed going down because of my dad dying and tying up the estate and everything. And so when I landed in Johannesburg, I said, okay, Lord, this is how we're going to do this, okay? We're gonna, I'm going to get a job, yeah. and I'm going to find some accommodation. You know, I can't just stay with my sister indefinitely. Yes. And then I'll go and see if I can still sneak into Bible school. Mm. Okay, this is Sunday the 9th or 10th of January, 1983. Yeah. yeah. But what was so profound as well, I must testify this, I just walked away from rugby. I testified to the whole of the national team that I love Jesus, I love my Lord, and I'm, I need to go and serve my Lord. And God gave me that opportunity because I'd watched that film, Chariots of Fire. Yes. And I, the conviction was so strong that I needed to follow God's plan for my life. Anyway, I'm back in South Africa, so I told the Lord, Lord, this is how we're going to work this one out, okay? <laughs> and He's got the plan, let's just do it. Yes, you know, it was funny because Monday came, I was looking for a job, and I think I am, Tuesday came, I was looking for the job. And then on Wednesday night, this church, it was Rama Bible Church in South Africa, yeah. and the pastor was Pastor Rama Corley, they have a Wednesday service. So mm. I thought, oh, maybe I should go there and just have a look at this place. You know, I've yeah. never been there. I'd only seen a picture of Pastor Rama Corley. Yeah. So I went on the Sunday evening, uh, the Wednesday Wednesday. evening, you know, so I went down there and I came with kind of, I didn't know anybody. So I went and I sat about five rows back on the, on the aisle, sitting there like a good boy, you know. I'll sit. Yeah, I'll sit. So you can get away. And the praise and worship was amazing. It was just really beautiful and uh, it was just again. And then Pastor Ray, got onto the stage and he started walking up and down and he said to Carol one day, just keep playing, you know, just just keep playing. And uh, next minute he turned around and he just pointed his finger at me like this, you yes. young man, you. And now this is the first time this had ever happened to me, so it was, you must understand, yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm looking it up. Never had a prophetic word. No, not really, no, not at all. I had a prophetic scriptures, but not a prophetic yeah. word as such. Right. And he said, you know, there's a call of God in your life and that you're going to serve the Lord with all your heart and, you know, the plans that I have for you. And, and I was like, okay. So at the end of the service, there was an altar call. And so I thought, you know, I, I, I didn't know what to do. So I kind of made my way to the front and I was just standing in the front waiting for 
Pastor Ray to come by so I could talk to him. Yes. Again, very sort of abruptly, he said to me, listen, young man, I want you to go to the Bible school tomorrow. Tell Vic Monday I've sent you. And, that, and he walked on and started ministering. Us. And I'm like, again, I'm thinking, what's going on here, you know? <laughs> wow. So I went home that night, as you can appreciate, having a word from God. Yes. Very clear word from God. And told what to do. So Thursday morning, I woke up very early and I was like awake. And I went down to the church again. I was actually on the other side of the town. Mm. <laughs> so I got there and it was the registration week for the Bible school. Yep. Now, I've told God I'm getting a job. Yeah. I'm going to do accommodation. Uh, you're fast-tracking now or you're backtracking. Okay. And then I went up. The Bible school was upstairs and a nice, beautiful Bible school. Very nice. And uh, I went to the window and there was this lady, Anita. And she said to me, Oh, young man, you've come to register for Bible school. And like before I could even say anything, she gave me the papers and said, just go to there and just sit down there and fill in the paper. I went there like a good boy, sat down. And I think I got to question seven or whatever it was, and it said, so how do you intend to pay for your Bible school tuition and that? Yes. Well, that was the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have my job. I didn't have any money. I was kind of... And then another, this man stepped out of his office and walked past the back of me to the counter. And I kind of looked and I didn't know who he was. And this minute he came to me and he said, Hi, I'm Brother Vic Monday and uh, two years of your Bible school has been paid for. And you, we've been waiting for a man to come because we believe you're the man that this God has wants you to have the scholarship. <laughs> wow. You know, it was just... Right. That was miracle a miracle after miracle. It was a miracle. And, you know, I just, I was amazing, honestly. I don't know who my sponsor was. And if yeah. you're here, it's Andy, thank you. I really, it's, that Bible school has helped me to walk all my life with God. Yeah. It, it, it put the foundation. Absolutely. You know, every Christian needs a, a good foundation. Mm. And I can honestly say that that has kept me those Bible school days, because I did school of psalmody after, so I did three years, basically. Yeah. And uh, I can honestly say that that word in my heart was, uh, a lot of it was written in my head and, yes. and some has written on my heart and over the years a lot has dropped from my yeah. head knowledge to heart, yeah. to my Praise heart. Well, yeah. so, it needs to be. Yeah, so that was amazing and I wanted to just share that testimony. It's a beautiful testimony. You know God will take care of us to the smallest detail. He just yeah. takes care of his people. His children. But you still had to have the desire there and pursue it in a sense. I think God puts the desire in your heart. Yeah. And then as you connect with Him and you have fellowship with Him, He guides you and leads you to fulfill that desire. Yeah. It was a desire of my heart. And I think we're not robots, we yeah. have our own free will. Yeah. So I will to serve God and He will that I would He would make a way. Hallelujah. <laughs> so, you know, the will's met. The world's met and my will was surrendered now to God's will in that area of my When life. did you meet your name? Oh, now you've got me. I think it was... Don't give me the date, but was no. it about the same time or a bit later? A little bit later um, on. Um, in fact, quite a few years later, um, we met and... Uh, in a church? No. No. <laughs> we met through mutual friends, basically. Uh, and it was 
had a um, like a waterfront, you know, like, um, and we were all out and we met and we had dinner and all that sort of stuff. So it was, um, Janine wasn't serving the Lord when I met her mm-hmm. and um, I was serving the Lord in that sense, but I was, um, I was my career was going well and everything like that. And, uh, what were you doing at the time? You were. I was in aviation, uh, in aviation, and uh, flying or more uh, engineering. Um, when I met Janine, I had my own business. Okay. And uh, we were on contract with the United Nations and the International Committee of the Red Cross out of Geneva. Yes. Doing um, humanitarian aid throughout Africa. Mm-hmm. So that was my job, and my job as a di- I was a director of the company was to keep these aircraft serviceable and flying and that sort of stuff. So when I met Janine, um, as I said, she wasn't serving the Lord. um, And I had my own little airplane at that time. So as a young man always does, we take them for a flight. And um, so I said, would you like to go flying? And we went flying. And it was just a small J3 Cub, like it's a a classic uh, vintage aircraft. Okay. And uh, so we went for a flight and she really loved it and everything. And so I said, okay, a couple of weeks later, I said, shall we go for another flight? She said, oh, yes, please. And so we went, but let's say it was about two, three months into our relationship. And um, I said, I've got to tell her now that, you know, who I really am. I've never denied Christ, but I've met this lady. She had two little children from a previous marriage. And so, you know, you come out coming in slowly and, but I knew in my heart that I went to God again and I said, Lord, she's a lovely lady, her children are beautiful, and if this is the lady you want me to be a partner with me, then I'm asking you that she'll come into the church and, you know. So after the flight, we went to this, like, lifestyle, it's a it's like a garden, we um, we buy plants and all that, but it yes. also had a restaurant, cafe. a cafe, and so we went for breakfast and then I told her, I said, listen, I want to tell you that I am a born-again Christian, that I am an ordained minister. Yeah. <laughs> and she almost fell off her chair. <laughs> you could just see, what? What have I gotten myself yeah. into? Anyway, I was always, I've always had a soft heart and I've always felt the love of God and, and I, I did ask God, I said, Lord, and I didn't know that she had given her life as a, as a young lady yeah. to the Lord, but had not really had any foundation in that. Yeah. And, um, you know, the rest is history, as they say. <laughs> so, How did uh, she, um, obviously she had her own journey as well. Did she become a Christian before you were married or later on? I think she just rededicated her life to the Lord. You know, yeah. she had made that personal commitment to the Lord and, and being born again as a very similar to me as a young lady in the youth yeah. groups, you know, but we never had any foundation. And so yeah. she didn't have a foundation. So we just went and started going to church together. And, and then you had your own children? Yes, we had, we've got four beautiful children. Um, and again, I, I want to testify that God says he has no favorites. Yes. So when I adopted Sammy and Tyler into my heart, yes. I felt that I knew how to adopt them deeply into my heart. So for me, I didn't see Janine and somebody else's children. Yes. I, see, I saw God giving me these two children to take yeah. care of. 
and yeah. it was that was also a miracle because the adoption agency yeah. gave me full custody, full rights, full everything. Yes. Um, and uh, then we had Kayla and Nikita, and so our four daughters, four girls. Yeah, four girls. So when I get to heaven, God's really gonna. Peter's gonna meet me and my brother come in. And be <laughs> 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 yeah, four, five ladies in my life. But wow. it's been, I'm, I'm so blessed in that sense. So, were yeah, were, were there challenges? Uh, family or uh, friends uh, talking against uh, this this marriage happening? Were they saying you should marry somebody who's in a relationship with children, was anyone trying to talk you out of it? No, there wasn't. No, there wasn't. When I met Janine and these two really beautiful children, I think Samantha was four and little Tyler was like 18 months old. Yeah. For me, it was a package deal. Yeah. Even my mom, my dad had passed by then in 82. My mom was a very lovely woman and a kind woman as well. So, no, there was never that. Stigma or anything. No, sometimes it, it happens a lot in the Christian circles, as you can yeah, yeah. imagine. No, but I know when God brings somebody into my life, I'm not gonna. I, I knew in my heart that yeah. I'd ask God, Lord, if I'm going to tell you everything now, so please don't, <laughs> let this be of your will, you know. But I was willing to to lose it. Yeah. I was willing, Lord, if this is not the lady for my life, then I'm ready to. You know, she'll make a decision. And if she walks away, she walks away. But please, Lord, let me. It's not because she was she was beautiful as a person. You know, you know me. Yeah, yeah. you've interviewed her. Yeah. Deep inside her, she was always a beautiful person. Of course. Loving and kind, and I've, she's been such a challenge to me in my Christian walk as a woman. <laughs> she's been a hammer in God's hands. Hallelujah. Oh yeah, big time. Just her love and dedication and commitment to. The destitute, the lost, the yeah. hurting, the broken people. Or she runs a ministry, doesn't she? Oh, she's amazing, lady. Honestly, and God saw that before I could even see. He knew her plan and her purpose yeah. and her life. And, and then you had a chapter in. Uh, you went to England. You went to UK for a couple of years. Yeah, didn't you? we we did. We left South Africa and we felt again the leading of God and we yeah. prayed about it and we went to England and we were there for eight years. Or oh, eight years. Yeah, and. Uh, we started a small fellowship there and into a church and which would uh, it's Ringwood Christian oh, Ringwood. Church, but now they moved to Bournemouth, so it's still going and Perry's there and he's running the church with the elders and that. So, so you, it was a ministry uh, move rather than a career move. For me, it seems you know I like Paul's journey. Yeah, Paul was a tent maker, of course, but he was had a ministry. Yeah, and when the, you when can't the, separate them. No, and when the gospel. You know, when he had to make men tense with, uh, you know, he met Priscilla and Aquila and yeah. he had to do, so in the afternoon he would do his trade and his tent work yeah. in the evenings and in the, during the times he would minister, you know. Yeah. And then there was times that he was full time in the ministry serving God and some of the churches supported him. Yeah. So I felt that's sort of the type of ministry that I've had. Yeah. You know, so it's... Wonderful. So you planted this church from scratch? Yeah, we started in our home and uh, we um, spoke to the elders all, all over Africa and Mauritius and all the brothers and we had been, you know, there's hundreds of churches that we're affiliated with yeah. in Africa and in Mauritius, Paris, yeah. the United States. So we spoke to the elders and they said, no, that's good. 
So we started the church and then they supported us and then we used to have a conference in Paris. So the yeah. little church, we went twice a year to Paris mm. to the conference and then Mickey came and the elders came to England and had conferences and nice. developed out there. Yeah, oh, it was amazing. Was what was it called? Great. It was called Ringwood Christian Church Okay. when we were in Ringwood and yeah. then when they moved to Bournemouth, it's now called Bournemouth Christian Church. Oh, so because it, we, they, were, they changed the name because of the suburbs and yeah. that, you know, so that's basically what it happened. Mm. Yeah. And then you applied for a job in Australia from England? Yep. Um, we, again, it was prayerfully considered. Um, yeah. we, didn't, we submitted it to the elders of our church and said, look, we, um, Mickey, who, he did his university here. Mm. So he had connections. connections and birth in his heart and I still think there's something going to happen there. Um, and uh, so we, he said, look, you know, if you feel you need to go, yeah, go with our blessing, you know. And so we came and uh, even getting in here was a miracle because I was 45 years of age. Limit. And, I, and in fact, when I got, I, had, I came in on a 457 visa, yeah. which basically is two years, as you know. Yeah. So I came in at 44, but the guys that brought me in didn't tell me after 45, it's cut off. It's done. <laughs> and I didn't, you know, they said, no, no, what are we going to take care of your visas and everything like that? So I thought, okay, that's fine. And I came here and I came here ahead of my, my wife. And yeah. I did that to England. And then when I arrived on the Friday and I drove down the road highway to Janicott Airport where I was going to yes. work and I came up the Quinana Freeway, when I saw the city and went over the Narrows Bridge, I phoned my wife that night and said, if you want to see me, you need to bring the children and come see me and I'm staying here. <laughs> I, saw the I, I knew in my heart again. You, you could already see it from the top, yeah. even though you hadn't yeah. flown yet. And I, I knew that yes. this is where God wanted yeah. us, you know. And so... Um, Six weeks later, there were four children and my wife joined me in Australia and we are very, very, very happy here and yeah, it's great. It's good. What are you involved in at the moment? I've been with the Kingsway Christian Church yeah. for about seven years now, seven, eight years. Nice. I'm supposed to appear to Palm. Yeah. And we've uh, had him here as well. Okay. Yeah, love him. He's a good man. He's got a very solid you know, for me, it's very important that the men of God have a very clear and solid doctrine. Yes. And uh, one thing that I really do enjoy at Kingsway Christian Church is that I love the praise and worship. Sure. Um, I think that was what attracted us. Initially. Uh, we had a home church initially in yeah. the Arch. Okay. And it was quite funny because we spoke to the headmaster and said, look, we'd like to move out of our home and into the hall, yeah. do you, would you hire your hall out? And he said, look, right now we're just doing a big refurbishment on the hall, so no, right now is not going to happen. But we have a church here? No, there was no church there yet. Okay. So contact us in a couple of months, you know. Yeah. Been, it's going to take six to nine months to get it sorted. Anyway, we sort of left it and um, we then contacted him again. Piet had spoken to him as well, as in well, between. in between, no, closer to the time of the finish. It was, yeah. it was actually finished. Yeah. So he moved in and then we got word that, oh, there's a little church in the Kingsway oh. Hall. So I said to Janine, we need to go and have a look because yeah. we felt to go there. Yeah. Okay. And we had a small gathering about 
10, 12 people at that time. Yeah. And so we went there and I must be honest, when I went there, I love to praise God. I feel when we praise and we worship God, we just enter into His presence. And I really, really love the praise and worship. Yeah. It was just beautiful. And then we met Piet and the rest is basically history. Yeah. So we joined yeah. His church and we fellowshiped there and we've been with Him for about seven years now. And yeah, it's been great. And uh, Janine runs No Limits? Yep. No limits is. Uh, and you're still discipling people and helping them out? Yeah, we've been. When I can remember having breakfast with Piet um, yeah. early one morning, and Janine and I went there and we said, Look, this is what we feel God is asking us to do. Um, we had had a very similar ministry in England called Hands of Compassion. Mm -hmm. And uh, No Limits, as you know, my wife was interviewed. The, the, Belinda and Debbie, who basically started, they were the co-founders of yes. the three ladies and they also had very similar stories of abuse and violence and that sort of stuff in their marriages, yes. previous marriages. So they had a cup of coffee and then Janine, as you know, I'm always with her and so she spoke to me and what do you think and this and so I said, okay, let's pray, let's see what God wants. And then we took it to Piet and we had that cup of coffee together and it was very clear in our hearts that this ministry should happen. Yeah. And that's six years ago now. Wow. And so we have a board, a part of that board with Janine. Mm -hmm. But on the day-to-day -day running of the ministry, it's really Janine's involved. And I think uh, I'm just overseeing it in the sense of making sure Janine doesn't get up to too much nonsense. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's nice. brilliant, honestly. They, all of the team, and I want to say that very clearly. Yeah. All of the ladies and some men and that that work in that ministry and volunteer are oh, it's just amazing, honestly. It's beautiful. Yeah. We have we've helped so many people. What's next for you guys? What legacy are you building? Especially you yourself. Where where do you feel that the Lord is leading you? I'm in prayer at the moment, Nathaniel. I'm really praying and asking the Lord for the next step because I do feel the wind has changed direction and there's a blowing of that wind and um, one thing is very clear in my heart that one cannot fabricate or manufacture the anointing and the presence of God. Sure. So for me personally Andy Wood must not be involved in that sense of the plan of God must come to pass. Yeah. I want to know what his plan and his will and so I've just been, in fact, just before I came here, I was speaking to my brother Nina, you know, Nina. And we want to just enter into a time of real prayer and praise. And there's a couple of other brothers, Trevor and these guys. We're going to really start to pray into it and, Beautiful. and see the next step. Because I do feel there is a next step coming. Yes. But I, I know, I've walked for 50 years mm. now with the Lord. And I don't, if God doesn't go first, I, I follow well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I don't want to go ahead of the Lord. So, uh, yeah, I'm just praying into that at the moment. What legacy would you like to be remembered by? Or would you, you know, at the end of life, or would you sort of be content to know that you've done? That I've loved the Lord with all my heart. I'm not, I'm not a, sometimes I, I say, you know, when my, my book is done and my chapters are finished, you can write on my little plaque. He loved and served God all his life. He made some mistakes, 
but too few to put on the black, you know? Yeah. And my legacy is that I've always loved people and whoever comes into my life, I want to I want them to feel that I love the Lord with all my heart and that I, I, I want that kindness, that mercy, that fragrance, that aroma, that people remember me as a, a kind man, a, a, a man that really loved God. And I'm not perfect. I'm saint is too high for me. Just a son would be great. And that people remember me as a Christian man that made mistakes like David. Um, and he loved God. I want I would love God to say, as he said to David, he's a man after my own heart. Yeah. And that for me would my children, if they remember me, that I want them to remember me as a man that when he made a mistake, even and ask my children if I've spoken maybe words but not with the right tone. Yes. I will go and say I'm sorry. I apologize. I I, I spoke. It's it's kind of made no mistake. <laughs> so I know my children will remember me as a father that was willing to apologize and to say sorry if yeah. he's messed up. Yeah. And as Christians, I don't think we can walk through this life not making some mistakes. Or, yeah. So for me, I'd like a legacy that he just loved the Lord. He gave his life. He served God's people with all his heart. I love to pray for people. And, and, and when they meet me, I hope that they meet Jesus. Mm. You, know, they, you know that song, I see Jesus in your eyes. Yeah. I see Jesus in your smile. I see Jesus in your voice. And I hear Jesus. Yeah. Um, and for me, I would love that to be my legacy, that people meet me. They have a touch of God, the Father and His Son. Amen to that. You know, that's really beautiful. That's what the legacy is. Well, friends, what a beautiful story from Andy Wood here. Uh, I, I love that. I mean, the challenge for us and the invitation is to display such a vivid portrait of Jesus so people can see Jesus in us. And I pray that you've been lifted and encouraged to also love the Lord. And uh, when you do make a mistake, just apologize. And especially towards those loved ones. Uh, sometimes we take them for granted, our wives, our children, and sometimes they need to hear us apologizing the most. So I pray this um, story really blesses you. And I pray that people will begin to see Jesus in you and you will also begin to see Jesus in others. Um, do share this content with other people. And come again next week, we will have fresh content here at the Kingdom Stories from Downunder. My name is Nathaniel Costia. Thank you for joining us on Kingdom Stories from Downunder. We'd love it if you would subscribe, rate and share these stories with your wider community. And remember, every story is worth sharing, including yours.